Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Amplify Your Business. Today, I'm joined by Kirian Atherikan. He is the founder of Strategy Peak Sales and Marketing Advisors. He's also an investor in a multitude of different businesses. One that occupies a ton of his time lately has been Socialite, because I think he's just having a lot of fun over there with those guys who are just great flatmates of mine, actually, back in, uh, well, probably about six, seven years ago or so, we shared the same office space. So welcome to the show, Karen. I'm so pleased that you're able to stop by and chat with us a little bit about entrepreneurship. Lance, thanks for having me on your show. So right off the top, I want to ask you, what are three things that you feel every entrepreneur needs to know? Well, the absolute very first thing they need to know is how they add value hmm. to their client. And most, most entrepreneurs can tell me what they're selling, but they can't tell me why people are buying. They lack the understanding of the motives involved. And ultimately, your products and services uh, are only tools to fulfill the motives of your client. And most mm. entrepreneurs, especially beginning ones, and even some people that have been around for a while, they have a real tough time understanding what that motive stack is. And it's not just one motive. It's usually a stack of motive, motives that are in a priority. Uh, and, you know, there's all sorts of different motives. There can be financial motives. There can be emotional motives. There's functional motives of various kinds, social motives. And we have to have a complete understanding of that before you move forward with any kind of attempt to try and sell the business. That doesn't mean that you won't be able to actually generate sales. You're just going to have a di more difficult time doing it. I think the next thing uh, about that is probably to put that understanding of your client's motives into a story. So you have to understand the strategic mm -hmm. narrative. That is going on in your client's heads about who they are, who they want to be, what's preventing them from getting there. And then ultimately, allowing your understanding of that uh, set of motives to, to revolve around your product stack and then deliver on that value to get them from where they are to where they want to be. I love it. Well, and the third thing is then you have to have some kind of a catching mechanism, a catch mechanism. So now you got people raising their hands and saying, hey, I'd like to find out more about what you do and how you can help me out to help me satisfy my motives. And by the way, they're not usually as clear as that. <laughs> you know, there's a variety of degrees of, you know, of uh, what is it, interest in what you're trying to sell. Yeah. And then you have to have a mechanism and there's a marketing mechanism and a sales process that allows you to capture that interest and turn it into revenue. Yeah, I love it. You are so clear in the steps that every entrepreneur has to have or every business has to have in order to be you know, successful at all in the sales side of things. And this is the thing, you're coming at this from a sales and marketing perspective. And so you're teaching people this kind of stuff each and every day over at Strategy Peak. Um, so instead of me talking a little about that, why don't you give us the audience a little bit of a rundown as to what you do and what inspired you to do what you're doing over there at Strategy Peak? Well, we help people understand what it is that they're actually delivering in, in the way of value and then translating that value into a strategic narrative, a story. Uh, it's a set of stories, actually, that their audiences then can relate to. And if they are relating to those stories, then they're attracted to those stories. And marketing is attraction. It's attraction-based. And attraction is not a choice. You know it when you see it. 
And when you are attracted to something, you automatically want to want to get nearer to it. You gravitate to it. And then you open up the cover, see what's underneath it, try to understand, you know, how this might apply to your life. This is as a customer or a client, right, of yours. And based yep. on all of that, you would then go through a process of capturing that value for yourself as a client and having your provider, your supplier, deliver that value for you in a way that you can actually digest. And that's mm -hmm. the product. That's what we do. We take it from, you know, I had a client the other day come to me and said, we need a social media strategy. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, well, you know, any trained chimpanzee can actually put up a social media page for you and such, right? But, you know, that's not what you want. What you want is to capture your client's attention in such a way that it is compelling and that it draws them into your overall value mechanism. Yeah. You no, know, And that's what you really want. Social media may be a part of that, but there may be a whole bunch of uh, other low-hanging fruit that you can seize upon first. Yeah. And especially if you're a business to business and, or an industrial company and you think you need social media, that's probably the last thing you need right now. There's probably an audit that you probably should engage in that allow you to, what is it, um, identify some other things immediately. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that because we have the same thing. People come to us for different different aspects of marketing, right? And uh, one of the things that often is is a leading desire is, uh, you know, I need to get a, a better presence on social media, my social media sucks or whatever, right? Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where I always caution them the same as you, it sounds like where it's like, that might not actually be the thing that you should be focused on right now. There's so many other things that you'd want to have in place before, uh, so that you can actually then use and leverage social media properly once you have everything else set up. And, um, and social, social media is an absolute tool that you should be using. But yeah. until you know where it fits into your overall strategy, you know, it's just wasted money. Yeah, uh, yeah, completely. And it can be a huge it. time suck, right? Just huge time, time suck. And there's, <laughs> you know, Mark Zuckerberg is more than happy to take all of your money. Right? Yeah. And, you know, and he doesn't pro uh, promise results. What he promises is airtime. Yeah. That's the only yeah. thing he promises. Yeah. Yeah. So now how did you start in this strategy side of things? Like what motivated you to start a strategy company and help people with sales and marketing? Well, it, it just struck me. Well, first of all, you know, I, I always wanted to be a consultant, you know, ever since I was in university and I thought it would be yeah. such a great thing for people to come in and sit, sit across from me from a desk and I'd give them, you know, sage advice and they'd use it <laughs> and they'd laud me for it. And here it is, you know, 30 years later, I am giving advice, right? But it's not nearly as glorious or celebrity filled as I thought it would be. And, uh, you know, so it was absolutely the wrong motives to get into it at the very beginning. But over the course, and I didn't even realize I didn't have the knowledge to do that at that time, at the age of mm -hmm. 22. I had a business degree. And I said, yeah. well, you know, I'm ready to go. Well, you know, and you're just way too naive to understand what you really need. So, but over the next 30 years, you know, I was in the sales and marketing trenches for years, uh, seven years in sales. Uh, I spent uh, at least uh, four, five, six years in the marketing trenches, you know, business, business to business wise. I was in the, uh, what is it, uh, mergers and acquisitions business, uh, raising capital, buying companies, selling companies for 12 years. I'm not nearly as young as look, you're probably doing the math right <laughs> And, and, and I ran the sales and marketing division of an enterprise class software company. And it was all through all these experiences, you know, that yeah. the realization was that, you know, there's a lot of people struggling with this. The M&A experience, especially, uh, and I've been in hundreds of boardrooms. 
And uh, there's a lot of people making money despite themselves, you mm -hmm. know, and they're, and the poor sales guys are just out there, you know, cranking out the work and all that kind of stuff with no support. Absolutely no support. In a perfect world, you will commoditize the sales function to order taking. Mm. Okay? Marketing does all the heavy lift of persuasion. So when a prospect shows in front of you, how do I buy? How do I buy? How do I buy? Now, if you're selling Boeing 747s, the probability of that is very, very low. But that, you know, but for most of us, you know, the marketing function can do the vast majority of the heavy lifting of persuasion, of lifting that prospect's uh, mind into the sky of possibility. So they actually want to jump into the plane with you. Yeah, yeah. And so just that the thrill of of just sitting across from that team of, of people who really want to take their business to the next level, who really understand the value of sales and marketing and how that plays into the success of their businesses. That's what, what really got you excited then, eh? That's what really got me excited. And uh, there were so many people that were just struggling with it, right? Yeah. Um, Far too many still, though, they want the silver bullet. They just want the social media program. Yes, of course. They, they, you know, they just want uh, the collaterals produced. Or, you know, whatever collaterals are, video, PowerPoint decks, uh, white yeah. papers, whatever it is, right? Without understanding the mechanism uh, of how to deliver the value. The very first thing that anybody buys from you, Lance, the absolute very first thing is, and you know this, is the story. Yeah. Okay, and it's, it's a, it's the story with your customer's hero, okay? And yeah. they are struggling with something and they want to get out of that struggle, either get out of pain or get to gain, right? And then that makes you the fairy godmother or the wise wizard that grants the hero of your story, your customer, the magic incantation, the magic lantern, the magic sword to enable the journey of promise to that end destination where everything's going to be okay and better than okay. Now, if that's true, if that's true, your products are simply the tools to unleash the promise of that story. Before they can buy your product, they got to buy your story. If they don't buy the story, they won't buy anything else. Yeah, exactly. And and so I don't. You you must be a fan of uh, Donald Miller and his uh, building a story brand. Um, and so this is one of the things that he talks about as well. Is it's like the most successful companies don't necessarily have the best product, and they're yeah. not necessarily the best marketers of that product. They're the ones who have the best story and understand the connection of. And the I, story and, to I the human and I've read uh, Donald's work, right? But a couple of years ago, I'll show you this as well. A couple of years ago, I wrote this book. Okay. And it's the seven essential stories charismatic leaders tell. I'm going to get you a copy. I, I didn't even know you had a book. This is, I'm going to, this is I'm how gonna, did I not know this? I'm going to get you a copy of that. Yes. Uh, and so when I was doing the research for that book, and I wrote my book before I discovered um, uh, Mr. Miller's uh, book. I wrote my book before that, right? And mine is more from a leadership perspective. It's not from a marketing perspective. Because leaders are, you know, we're all in the marketing business. Marketing by definition. When it was first sort of pulled together as a function 150 years ago, it was the following. It was about getting the right product to the right target market with the right feature, right benefits, with the right value proposition through the right channels. And all it's just right, 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 yeah, right. At the right, right time. Yeah. Right time. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. all these stacks of right. Well, all yeah. those rights are in, you know, another word for getting all those things right. It's called strategy. Mm. Okay. Marketing is actually strategy. Now, the Don Drapers of the world have dumbed it down to advertising, but that's the last thing you do. 
yeah. ultimately leaders, you know, and, uh, and I, there's tons of, tons of historical examples here. Leaders are in the business of marketing. You know, that's the primary thing they do through install a strategic narrative through these seven stories into the minds of their true believers, right? Through their true believers. Uh, I just wrote a little blog post and it just takes 3% of a nation's uh, believers or a nation's people to decide they want to go in a different directions. And it can be in nonviolent means. Like yeah. nonviolent, it doesn't have to yeah. be violence. Usually, doesn't work, right? Because it's violence is mental violence. But through nonviolent means, you just need three percent of a of a country's population to say we'd rather go this way, and it can go that way. And you've and I go through all sorts of examples. You know, the Philippines uh, was a recent example thirty years ago with uh, Ferdinand Marcos's ouster, right? The 30, mm -hmm. 35 years ago, something like that. But you see this over, over and over again. Well, leaders are in the same uh, position, trying to install that narrative so that it is their idea now. It is their believer's idea. It's their customer's idea, if you're a marketer, that they want to do this. Now, what's better? You dragging them into completion or somebody leaping to that conclusion on their own? I'd rather have them leap. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Well, this is really cool. I didn't know that you had a book, so this is fascinating. And uh, and then obviously, I mean, you've worked with so many companies over the years. You've invested in a bunch of them with your own dollars as well, because you see the promise. You see what they're doing. When you are, you know, working with them, and you get to that point where you're wanting to invest, what are the key things that you're seeing within those entrepreneurs, where you're like? I'm going to put some dollars into this as well. There's, there's a number of different things, right? Um, and if I, if I had to narrow it down to just a few, it would be my business, one of my business partners, Scott, you know, I will outrightly tell him and, and, and I have three business partners, uh, two business partners associated with so Scott and Simon and myself. Right. And, and we form a little triangle. We have very complementary skills, super complementary skills. And one of the things I'll say about uh, Scott is he is relentless, absolutely relentless, right? He, you know, he, 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 the drive with this guy is through the roof. Simon is absolutely structural. Okay, so he can take that relentless drive and then put that into structure where yeah. the, all the engine components mesh and you can produce horsepower out of it, right? And my role with those two entrepreneurs, right? And between those two guys, my role is to, is to do the perimeter type of work, making sure the structure, structure is properly funded, make sure that the legal is in place, make sure the finance uh, aspects is in place, right? Uh, to be able to then basically create some kind of philosophy around that as well, you know, so that we can bind all these things together. So we actually feed over off of each other quite well. But they absolutely need to be subject matter experts mm -hmm. in what they do. They have to have a humility that is not, that doesn't douse their confidence, but can't be, you know, but, you know, they can't have an arrogance either. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. It's, it's got to be that quiet confidence that I'm going to make this work. I'm going to make this work. And then you have to be able to pivot uh, and pivot is such a maligned, you know, often used word. Sure but you have to now. be able to, yeah. to adjust the direction of the ship that you're creating so that it actually catches the wind in its sails. You know, you can't sail the ship wherever you want it to go. You actually have to take 
uh, power uh, from the winds that are available. To and these winds are, you know, various types of macro forces, uh, strategic trends of various kinds, and you have to be on trend. And that's why we're a Shopify agency. You know, uh, and we and we chose that very deliberately. So Socialite is a Shopify marketing agency, and we took advantage of those wins. So those kinds of things. So be able to be relentless, to be uh, structured in your approach. And we have a saying, you know, uh, <laughs> we have a number of different sayings along the way. And one of ours is that the universe rewards adaptive persistence. Hmm. Okay. It doesn't reward persistence. It rewards adaptive persistence. And so you have to be able to change your mind uh, when the circumstances call for yeah. And isn't that a great distinction? I just really love the way that you phrase that adaptive persistence, because one of the things that we think of in terms of entrepreneurs, one of the skills that we all have to have is that ability to, to dust ourselves off and stand back up after we've been knocked down. And so that's the persistence part of it or, or stubbornness. I don't know what, what you want to call it, but, uh, but it's the adaptability piece of yes. it that if you don't have that, you're just going to keep getting knocked down, right? <laughs> You're going to, you are going to, and not only knocked down, uh, you don't know why you've been knocked down because you're so yeah. bullheaded. Uh, and, and it's a form of arrogance. Mm -hmm. It is an absolute form of arrogance. You know, another way to look at this is you have to be a heat-seeking missile, a heat-seeking yep. missile. And the missile can't go wherever it want. It's got to continually adjust its course to adjust to uh, where that heat signature is. Yeah. And heat yeah. signatures change. Yeah. Right? Heat signatures change. So, and then you have to be able to acquire that where the target is going, not even where it's at. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious because you have had all this experience working with so many different businesses and entrepreneurs, where do you see if there is such a, a trend at all um, or, or a few things that you've identified, where do you see the ship getting steered off track oftentimes with entrepreneurs is there any commonality that you've picked up over the years where it's like as soon as you start to see this happening it's like okay this is this is problematic we got to get that righted right away the number one thing that i see absolute number one is they have no understanding of how the customer thinks yeah sometimes they've never even talked to a customer uh i once had a fellow and i i and I won't give you the exact tool, but it's a very common tool you'll find at Home Depot. And he came up with a new design for it. Uh, and he came to see me uh, and uh, a couple of my people at Tech Edmonton. And he wanted us to help to market this tool. Yeah. And he spent $30,000 on a patent for this tool. And I'm thinking to myself, who's going to use this? And I asked him, have you talked to any customers? You know, and these are people in the construction trades that would need the, this tool. No, I just had this bright idea one day. I looked at this, I looked at that. And what if I did this? And then he found a patent attorney, a patent agent that was more than happy to take his $30,000. And I will absolutely guarantee you, he will not see a single cent of that thing back. Yeah. The tools that are used in the actual construction trades right now are all power tools of this kind. That's the first thing. The second thing is, in order to sell this at scale, you got to get into the shelves of the Home Depots and the Lowe's and everybody else, right? You're not going to be able to sell this off of a, of a website and make any, mo any money at it, at least this particular product. And so never talk to a customer. <laughs> That's the number one problem. Hey, this is a bright idea. 
We're yeah. going to make millions. Never talk to a customer. So and- true, right? There's so many of, of the entrepreneurs out there that have, uh, you know, in the, in the graveyards of entrepreneurship that are uh, just littered with that mistake. Yeah. With, with those kind of mistakes, right? So, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing to me. And I, I will tell you that I was that naive one day as well at one time in my life, right? Uh, and the where I got lucky, though, is that I became a marketer and I just saw hundreds of other companies making the same mistake. And you just recognize that that's the very first thing you cure. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've got more than one blog post around this as well about, you know, people not talking to customers and going this direction. And then they talk to their customers and say, I had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> that was even uh, what they were thinking. And then they are able to pivot on the product. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the thing that I love about uh, working within the digital space nowadays is the fact that you can you, you can get a sense as to what your customers want or need uh, so immediately. Yeah. Um, like you can do direct outreach and asking uh, people where, you know, back in the days when you were in university, when I was in university and, you know, we took our market research classes and it's all these expensive surveys and focus groups and everything else that we had to do or, or you know, looking up other research, third-party research and stuff. And now you can get just immediate uh, information based off of, uh, you know, just putting the idea out there or putting together a minimal viable product and testing it. Or one of the hacks that I just absolutely love is you throw, you know, $100 in, in ad spend or, or $500 in ad spend behind an idea uh, and try to sell it before you even make it. Yeah, it's phenomenal. <laughs> and, and yeah, and see if anybody actually is going to click through off those ads. And yeah. if they do, Hey, you might be onto something. Uh, if they don't, you got a pretty good answer there too. Well, one of my clients um, is uh, in the business of uh, clothing. Okay. And so uh, I won't tell you exactly the kind of clothing. And uh, they are absolutely convinced that their website is a problem. And they are doing all the marketing properly. They're nailing all of these different uh, methods down, you know, for everything from the hello bar to the uh, to where you should put uh, all the different images and the kind of images, the founder video, all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And I'm looking at their site and I say to them, you know what? Everything you've got here is absolutely perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. And they're making sales, but they're wondering why they've hit a ceiling. So here's what I did with that. Uh, so I put up their site. Then I put up uh, Amazon basic site based on their product category. And then I put up, you know, another uh, big name brand and things like that. And then I hid the banner with my hand. <laughs> I hit the banner like that, right? And I said, and then it's just looking at the product pages side by side, all the products. What do you see here? A whole bunch of stuff that looks exactly the same. That's what you see. That's what you're competing with. Yeah. So the business model, you know, and a business model is just your design for a ship and the race that you will enter. Okay, that, that's all a business model is. And so now you are look like a very small version of, of these very large ships. And I'd rather board the larger ship because it's safer to board the larger ship if you don't offer me any differentiation. So yeah. when we go a little uh, deeper into the product categories, I just say, look, there's no story here that's resonant with a hyper-specific target market. Yeah. And one of the things uh, that uh, they did tell me is that the people, they, and they can sell quite well 
one-to-one in one-to-one settings and they can sell quite well that and one of the uh what is it uh things that they said to me is that they do quite well with tattooed weightlifters okay interesting very distinct just, yeah market, very yeah. tattooed weightlifters and it's a certain category and there's an older group of weightlifters and these are female bodybuilders that's another part of this right there's an older group and there's a younger group <laughs> this guy to me, they do well with them and they can sell one-to-one to that target market. Let's create two separate strategic narratives. Let's focus on one to test with some ad dollars, right? But now let's create the narrative. What's the first thing you, uh, you sell? You sell the story. Let's create the narrative all around that female bodybuilder over the age of 55. Yeah. Okay? Or that female bodybuilder all under the age of 28. 29, whatever the number is, right? And these are completely different than now. But now we're we're creating the story that's resonant with that hyper-specific market. Same product. Yeah. But now yeah. the story is more relevant. Well, and, and again, this is what I love about digital is that we can personalize that messaging so specifically to the uh, demographic, to the exact right. person that we want to put it in front of where you know, in our earlier careers, we could never have done anything like that, at least not not without a massive, massive budget, right? Yeah, and you, and the other part, you know, it's like we, we do a lot of teaching in our courses uh, for our Shopify merchants, and we have a demographic sheet and things like that. And depending on the product, you know, I'll just, when I'm coaching people through it, I will throw out most of the demographic information. That's yeah. nice to know, but it's not a need to know. Uh, demographic is very important. Let's say if you're in the diaper business. Okay, yeah. so you need to know how many females are out there that are will have the propensity uh, to have children uh, in yeah. the next yeah. year, right? So you can and you can very clearly uh, anticipate demand. Now, what you don't know is whether it's cloth, pampers, huggies, or whatever else it is, and because those are now based on motives. There's a whole crowd of people that only go with cloth, yeah. right? Regardless of whatever else. So what, that's a motive now. Regardless of the demographic, you go to motive. This will tell you the overall demand, but this won't tell you how many people will be attracted to you. You will yeah. only know that by understanding the motive. And so that motive now is what you have to nail down. You know, it's things like values, beliefs, uh, where what their end states emotionally uh, need to be, you know, after they buy your products or service. Then what's actually driving them, those drivers yeah. for that decision? You yeah. have to nail those things down. Well, and, and you said that at the outset, when you were talking about the uh, the three things that every entrepreneur needs to know, you had mentioned uh, the motive stack and matching that to your product stack, right? And right. so, which is terminology I don't think I've ever heard anybody say. So yeah, I, I love that, the motive stack matching, yeah. Yeah, and, and, if, and if you take a look at it, uh, we I had a client once uh, that made software uh, that um, was for these big, big, municipal entities. And uh, it, it was a big deal. It's one of these things that every municipality has uh, that they need to deploy to their to their clients, right? And they have different locations for this and such. And this software simplified a lot of different things. But here's the software, you can buy it, 500 grand, right? And then the yearly maintenance fee. And yeah. that was a very difficult sale, you know, with uh, trying to get into the budget cycle and things like that. So I had him, actually, we took a big whiteboard and we... Uh, put a, a matrix up about all the different things that the customers, uh, this uh, software solved on the okay. left. And yeah. in the columns, we put down, you know, what do we put down? Frequency, the number of times that thing happened in a year, the importance of that and the pain. Hmm. Okay. 
And so it would be one to 10, one to 10, one to 10. And so we did about eight or nine things. And so one of the things that the mayor would do would be call up on a regular basis, high frequency, <laughs> relatively important, but low pain. Okay. Right. You know, that could be an example of that. But whereas other things, you know, it was, you know, it was low frequency, super high pain, super high, uh, what is it, uh, importance, you know, and those kind of things. And I think the mayor was actually a little bit more than that as well, because the mayor calls, even though it's not important, it's the mayor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And so now we've got the stack now. These are the motives that this, these features solve. Now we've got the stack and we multiply the numbers. Okay, and some, some of these numbers are 10, 20, 30. Others are 800, 900, 950. So when we are out selling this now thing, we know how to position the features and benefits. Yeah. So we do it from the 900s all the way down to the 10s. Yeah. We did something even better than that. What we did is then we broke up the software into individual modules, right? And then we sold the modules based on the ability to solve some of the most annoying parts of what you do. Oh, interesting. Now you've got the first footprint into the municipal entity. Now you got the first footprint. And then you can start bolting on the other components and build it up because yeah, we've already got that. Let's do yeah. this now as yeah. we move up the motive stack. I, I love the way that you've systematized that. That's, that's just absolutely brilliant because I think there's a lot of people that really struggle with that. When I'm working with, with clients and I'm talking to them about, okay, well, what are the key benefits that really you know, excite your audience when you're sitting across the table from them and you're talking about your product or your service, what, at what point do they lean in? At what point do you see a sparkle in their eye, right? Those are the things that are just really resonating well with them. And that's what we need to focus on when we start to, you know, build out some of the messaging. Yeah. But I really love how you've created this system where it's just mathematical and, and it's very easy then for people to be able to see that. Mm -hmm. And then to take that to the next level, I think is just absolutely brilliant. Kirian, when you when you said then we we separated it out and 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 module created modules. Yeah, 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 yeah that's absolutely really cool. right. And you, yeah. you know, it's it's Love a it. tough thing uh, when you talk to customers. Mm -hmm. um, they might have an understanding of what turns their client on when it comes to f uh, features and benefits, right? Yeah, that still is not where you want that client's understanding to go. They have to understand their client's situation better than the client does. Yeah. Because, you know, if we're dealing with, you know, let's say uh, police services, you know, we're selling police software, for example, right? Let's say we do that. And uh, you probably are talking to 200 policing agencies, whereas the city of Edmonton, city of Calgary just knows what's going on in their own. Mm -hmm. right? So you can bring that cross-cultural, cross-agency knowledge to bear here and say, this is how the LA uh, people are doing. This is what Chicago is doing. This is what small town, you know, uh, Lafayetteville, you know, in Podunk, you know, wherever it is, is doing, right? And yeah. now you have all this knowledge. You know the situation better than your client does. Now they're yeah. all yours. Yeah, yeah. Now they're all yours. Right? And then beyond that, you're not guessing at what features or things that, that are, uh, you know, really turning people on. You know this is the direction that people are going. Yeah. So you have to have an absolute understanding of that client situation, their pain and gain points better than the client does. If you don't, you're guessing at your product, even if the product is selling. Yeah. Okay. How much money are you leaving on the table? How much more lengthy is that sales process than it needs to be? Because you don't have an understanding of the client.
Well, and then also is the retention going to be there too, which is, uh, you know, as as you and I both know with our businesses that just how critical to maintain a, a good retention rate is, right? Because, I mean, you and I love sales and marketing, but, you know, we like to have them retained so we're not having to constantly go out and replace it. Well, you know that uh, your business model is working. If your retention, there's two types of retentions that you have to look for, right? The very first thing is the retention of the client. So that's good. So you retain the client, you know, and are they willing to, you know, tell other people about it? You know, word of mouth is such a big deal to understand whether you have, uh, what is a product market fit. Yeah. And, but th there's another retention level that uh, you should also look at. Are you, are you retaining your employees? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because that's an equally equal part of your, uh, of your business model, right? If you're, Critical. if you're retaining your clients, but burning out your employees, you still have the same problem. Yeah. You still have the same problem. There's something wrong with the delivery of value because the yeah. only people that are delivering the value are your people. Yeah. Yeah. Now, those are uh, just very, very wise, sage uh, comments, just to go back to what you're talking about, where you had the dream of sitting across the table and being that sage advisor. And uh, I definitely appreciate you sharing some of these nuggets of information with us or our audience today. I, I know people are going to walk away wanting more. So first off, how do they get their hands on your book? Uh, and then second, how could they reach out to you if you wanted to, uh, or if they wanted to have another conversation with you? Well, we, uh, you can get the book on Amazon. It's uh, priced at a very hefty $3.49, $3.49 for the Kindle version. So I priced it so that people would just uh, use it, right? But if you come to my website, you can find my contact details there. Uh, but on the right side, you can actually download a chapter of the book, as well okay. as a full infographic on the seven stories. And the infographic alone will get you going on this stuff. Excellent. So what's the website URL? Oh, sorry. Strat <laughs> there you go. Strategypeak.com. So there strategy and then as in mountainpeak.com. The, the, that was probably the one and only time that Kieran is ever going to slip up on the sales side of things. I think right there, forgetting his <laughs> and URL. We're talking about sales and marketing, but even there, you know, I, <laughs> look at that. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Even I can be a victim. Yeah. Yeah. We're all human, right? So uh, thank you very much. I really do appreciate you coming by and, and sharing all this with us. And uh, for those of you who enjoyed this episode, you can check out our archives over at amplifyyourbusiness.ca, as well as if you prefer to listen to this in an audio format, we have it available on all of your favorite audio uh, podcasting platforms as well. So thank you, Karen. I really appreciate your time today. Lance, thanks for having me on your show. Okay. Take care, everybody. Have a prosperous day.